You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up on a Wednesday? It's another edition of Locked On NFL with James Rapine. And I am Tony Wiggins. We're ready to roll, man. We got this time next week, James, is going to be, uh, what, one more day until the draft? And uh, it'll be time for teams to start making these picks. The countdown is on, Tony. The NFL draft, one of my favorite times of year. We're uh, obviously going to dive into it today, and it's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a, a lot of fun to, to see what happens specifically in the top 10 because I think there are a lot of different scenarios that could play out next week when the draft starts. Yep, so what we're going to do in segment two is we're going to talk. I think, you know, everyone says that the Jaguars, which is the team I cover, is where the draft starts. Officially, yeah, uh, but for me, it starts at pick four because I think the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks. Pick four where the Falcons have the ownership of the pick. So we're going to talk to Aaron Freeman from Lockdown Falcons in segment two. And in segment three, we're going to take a look at, of course, and it's our draft segment. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about why does it seem easier for me to think about, and probably James too, because of the Bengals. It's easier to make that pick at the top of the second round than it is to make that pick well, it's not easy. It's not hard for me because of Trevor Lawrence. But for James, I'm sure, and those teams that picked in that fourth, fifth, and sixth position, I don't want to speak for you, James. It might be easier to make that pick than it is the first one. It depends on how you view the draft. And, and that's the thing. A lot of these teams over the years, a lot of fans over the years look at it as, well, what's our biggest need? Whatever our biggest need is, that's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to, to get better. So for let's use the Bengals for an example, right? Most people listening to this podcast, this is a national audience, are probably thinking, well, why the hell wouldn't the Bengals take someone to protect Joe Burrow? And it sounds easy, but to me, there's much more nuance to it. And is that the top prospect? Is Penny still the top prospect at the Bengals board? Is it Rashawn Slater? Or is it a Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts? And I'm of the, the mindset, and I'm not an NFL GM. I'll probably never be an NFL GM, even though any of the 32 NFL teams could call me right now, and I'm open for it, Tony, just so you know. Uh, of course, I would still host this every single Wednesday with you, Locked on NFL. That would be in the agreement. Um, the, the, the thing is, I draft players, not positions. And, and that's what I look at when you talk to these kids. Because to me, Sewell could be great. So could Chase. So could Pitts. So could Slater. Like a lot of these guys are going to probably end up being really, really good, but some of them aren't. And if you hone in on just a position, even quarterback, like the Falcons, when we talked to Aaron Freeman, if they're so focused on quarterback, well, they might get the fourth best quarterback in this draft and he might bust. Well, guess what? Kyle Pitts, tight end, much less valuable of a position, much more of a sure thing in my eyes than the fourth best quarterback in the draft. Now that might not necessarily be the case depending on who's there for, but it's certainly something worth considering. It is something worth considering. And so that's segment one, what we're going to do, we're going to do that right now. Uh, and, and Aaron Freeman, we may even get him to join us a little bit in segment one uh, leading into segment two, but it, it, right here in segment one, what we're going to talk about is position over uh, player over position. See, a lot of times when we get into this thing, folks say you can find a guy. Well, you can find a guy here. 
or don't draft this position here and you can find a guy. I can't stand that statement because to me, what, what folks fail to remember and fail to understand is they're not just guys. These are individual dudes with certain characteristics and certain traits. You tell me that Dalvin Cook is just a guy. You tell me that Alvin Kamara is just a guy. You, you know, these guys aren't just guys. They, you know, Grady Jarrett isn't just a guy, even though he was a late round pick. He's special. He has certain special characteristics about him. And look at me mentioning a Falcons guy because I know Aaron's hanging around. But my thing is, they're not just a guy, man. They, they're, they're individual players. And during the vetting process, these scouts and these coaches look for traits. They actually look for traits that got. Do you think Baltimore goes out here and goes, we're just going to find a guy? No. That's why, they, that's why they're always hanging around the playoffs. They're hanging around the playoffs because they look for guys, they look for people that have certain traits, they have certain toughness. You think Bill Belichick looks for, oh, we'll just find a guy. They don't do that. So I really think instead of looking at positions, you have to really look at the players themselves and and instead of saying, okay, well, he doesn't do this, does the, what does he do? What does he offer you? What specifically does he do? Like, for instance, if I'm Atlanta and I'm looking at Kyle Pitts, right? I'm not only looking at Kyle Pitts, but I'm looking at Kyle Pitts saying, okay, how's he going to look lined up next to Julio? Is it going to be pick your poison? That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, what, what is that going to look like? So all of that stuff goes into it for me, man. And it's going to be a short, quick, abbreviated segment because I just said it, the star of the show and, and the star of the draft, James, is Atlanta. And it's at four. And I've been saying it. And somebody tweeted that out, too. And I, I wanted to tell them they robbed me and they stole me because Freeman knows this. I've been saying that. And I told you that, too. I've been saying that for a long time. And the reason why I think that is because now, unless Miami does something that makes a trade and it would be the weirdest thing ever because they traded out and now they, 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 you know, they trade, who is it at number three? No, it's San Francisco, but Miami's weird too, because Miami traded back and then they traded up and I heard they want to trade back again. And I have no idea what they're doing, but all of that is fun. But for me, it's Atlanta because I think one, two and three is quarterback. And then I think when it gets to Atlanta, things get real funky right in front of you guys, James. No doubt. It's going to be crazy. And that's why we're going to bring Aaron Freeman on next to talk about it from Locked On Falcons. Are they going quarterback? Will they take Kyle Pitts? Are they trading down? Aaron Freeman will tell us next here on Locked On NFL. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. All you got to do is go to BlueNile.com, search the words 10 by 10. If you're on the hunt for a perfect, unique ring she's going to treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out again. They're not going to be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. And we have also told you about Built Bar. We've been telling you about Built Bar for the absolute longest time. And Built Bar is, is, is the cold hard truth, man. And I'm going to tell you why. Because it's covered with 100% chocolate. That's right. You heard what I said. 100% chocolate. But guess what? If you're working out and trying to get right, 
they're high in protein, but they're low in calories, low in carbs and low in sugar. So you can satisfy your palate and enjoy it without worrying about messing up your diet. And you know how you get it? You go to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off of your next order of Built Bars. That's right. It's BuiltBar.com. And what you do is enter the promo code LOCKED15. And what that does is it guarantees you 15% off of your next order of Built Bar so many great flavors, so many great options at builtbar.com. If you're on Twitter, go to at bar underscore built, and that'll get you started and head you in the right direction so you can get those built bars delivered to your door. It's built bar at builtbar.com. The promo code is locked 15. All right, man. So it's Wednesday, and what we do here is we talk draft in the third segment. But we're kind of going to do that a little bit today. But I have to remind you guys that the Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and the, the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more info about our live NFL draft coverage. I got to bring on my man, Aaron Freeman uh, from Locked On Falcons to talk about the Atlanta Falcons and their draft uh, that starts at number four. Uh, James Rapine and Tony Wiggins here on Locked On NFL. Welcome in our buddy from uh, Atlanta, James uh, Aaron Freeman, to talk draft. And, and I'm really, really excited about this because I'm watching – James, you, uh, did you watch his Twitter when free agency started and Aaron was all, <laughs> Aaron was all upset because the Falcons wasn't doing nothing? It was like, it was like, man, what are y'all doing? Sign I think, somebody. Yeah, I think they brought someone in for a visit, and I saw Aaron like, oh, look at them being active in free agency, you know? So, uh, Aaron, Aaron I feel your pain as, as someone who's covered the Bengals for a long, long time. What's up, brother? Hey, man, how's you guys doing? All right, man, I had to throw that little jab at you, man, because that's the funniest thing ever. Like, I feel sorry for him, but it was almost like with the Jags, too. First day, Jags had all of this money, and then they're out here bringing in kick returners and guys that'll be gunners on special teams. And we're like, what the hell y'all doing with all of this money? You're not bringing in anybody. But uh, Aaron, tell us about the Falcons so far in their offseason, what they have going on and what you think their draft plans are. Yeah, man, going back to the free agency thing, when Dan Quinn got hired in 2015, they were pretty proactive those first couple of days getting their guys, as you know, when teams change coaches and change regimes. So kind of had that expecting this year. Didn't quite see that, but they've sort of, filled some holes with some cheap veteran minimum type of players, um, gotten some guys there that they can at least begin this season. I think they have the lowest number of players on the roster, but it's allowed them to at least, at least at face value, go into this draft thinking best player available. And we know at the top of the draft, it's going to be a scenario where the Falcons will have some options for them. And will they make it so the first time I think in NFL history where we'll see quarterbacks go one, two, three, and then four with that fourth overall selection, or will the Falcons go in a different direction and take the player that I think a lot of people think, and I would tend to agree with it is the best non quarterback in this draft class, which is Florida tight end uh, Kyle Pitt. So it's an interesting question as far as what the Falcons are going to do at the top of the draft, given they have a brand new regime, brand new head coach, there's no sort of precedent set for what this group of guys is going to do. 
so your guess is as good as mine. And I'm sitting here these last couple of months trying to read the tea leaves and try to figure out things. I think I have an idea of which direction they're going to go, but I'm, I'm basically throwing darts at the wall and hoping something sticks. Let's start here, Aaron, as far as that, that fourth pick. Is it as simple as maybe a trade down if they get their socks blown off? Kyle Pitts or a quarterback or any of these other prospects, is there any chance they go Sewell, any chance they go Chase or any of these other guys? I would say there's a chance. I don't think it's a very big chance. Um, History has taught me with the Falcons is they always zig when you expect them to zag in a draft. (laughs) I don't know if that was just sort of the Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov. Um, era, particularly the Dan Quinn era, that wasn't necessarily the case earlier with Thomas Dimitrov as the general manager when Mike Smith was the head coach. Um, so I have learned over the years to always expect the unexpected. So I think there is a chance that they could go with Sewell or Chase, but those guys have been generating no buzz, uh, at least as far as when people, you know, that are NFL insiders talking about what the Falcons are going to do. Everybody seems to think it's either going to be a quarterback or Kyle Pitts. So in my situation in Jacksonville, we know who has the power. It's Urban Meyer, right? So uh, for me, I kind of lend myself to think that he's going to go for a player over position because he comes from college where they constantly stack five-star guys, and he just just goes for the guys that score touchdowns. With you, I'm trying to figure out with Arthur Smith coming from Tennessee and then with Terry Fontenot coming from New Orleans – and with Terry actually coming from the pro personnel side of things for most of his career, where's the power? Which one of those guys uh, carries the bigger stick? And because whose tendencies are we going to lean towards if we even know which one of those guys, if we even can read who has or what tendencies they have in the first place? Yeah, I think that's a big question because you've heard the reports probably about how there was earlier a divide where Terry Fontenot wanted to go quarterback, Arthur Smith wanted to go more position player, presumably Kyle Pitts in that scenario. We've heard reports since then saying they're on the same page. So I think what you'll see, and and whether this is the reality uh, remains to be seen, but I think people will assume that if the Falcons go quarterback, that's sort of Terry Fontenot saying, look, we're building towards the future, even given the scenario where you, you may not see this rookie quarterback that they take number four overall, there's a chance that that guy might not play much in the first two years of his contract, uh, given what Matt Ryan has the potential to be in this Arthur Smith offense. So I think the perception is going to be if they go quarterback, Terry Fontenot is the guy that's carrying that sort of proverbial big stick. If they go for a position player, I think most people will perceive that as Arthur Smith, maybe pulling a little bit more weight there. So I think that's going to be one of the big, interesting questions or answers that we get from the big question we have as far as what the Falcons do with this draft. When I look at the the fourth pick and if you're, you are taking a quarterback to me, it would have to be a guy that you'd take at one or two, right. That you just feel is like such a, a high end player because it's going to create friction. Matt Ryan's going to be uncomfortable. The, the head coach, Arthur Smith could potentially be uncomfortable because now he's got to juggle this established veteran that, who knows if he's met yet with Cove? I don't know. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. Right. And, uh, and so that's, that's awkward for a coach. And, and so to me, maybe it is Justin Fields, right. I, I, at least on the surface, like the idea of a really athletic quarterback in a dome, it's really big and can throw it a mile at the same time, there's a, a risk to it. And, and I do wonder if this regime is willing to, to take that risk at four. Yeah. Uh, it's, you guys are asking great questions. I think, 
for me, at least, I think if Justin Fields is there, I think they'll take him. Uh, I feel like the wow. local connection that Justin Fields has being, you know, an Atlanta native, uh, having gone to Georgia before transferring to Ohio State, the talent, I think, you know, I know there's been various rumors and reports from people that are plugged into the league that say that the NFL doesn't quite love Justin Fields as much as, say, Draft Twitter does. And Draft Twitter seems to have the opposite reaction, thinking that he's the clear-cut uh, consensus number two quarterback in this draft class. And what was interesting was Falcons former GM Thomas Dimitrov went on the Rich Eisen show a, a week ago and talked about how he thought going into the offseason that the Falcons were 100% going to take a quarterback given where they're sitting at in the draft. And he mentioned Justin Fields specifically uh, when considering him versus Trey Lance and, and Mac Jones at that spot. So I tend to be of the mindset that Justin Fields is going to be too good for them to pass up uh, at that four spot. I think given the recent rumors and, you know, with Vegas giving the odds that Justin Fields might be surpassing Mac Jones as the favorite to be that number three uh, pick for the 49ers. If he's not there, then I think you get a little bit more in a toss up territory, whether or not the Falcons are going to love Trey Lance nearly as much as say taking a player like uh, Kyle Pitts. But I think the, the positive that you have for the Falcons taking a player like Trey Lance is given the perception uh, that he needs time to sit. And I think the Falcons would feel reasonably better about the idea of taking Trey Lance and saying, yeah, he he might sit for a year or two at the spot. And, you know, this is the guy that we're going to hitch our wagon to for the future. Um, and it, it's, you know, I think the Falcons are in a unique position where I, I don't want to say that they can do no wrong, but I think any decision that they make is more than justifiable given the situation. I think you're expecting not to be picking this high ever again uh, if if everything goes according to plan. And so that means maybe take a quarterback in this relatively unique year where you have five guys that are projected by many people to be top 10 picks. Um, so that, that will be hard to pass up uh, given the situation. But then again, you have a talent like Kyle Pitts who also is pretty hard to pass up. But, you know, it's not like the Falcons are hurting for playmakers there. So it's not necessarily a need there. So, uh, you know, I as I sit here and have gone back and forth day by day, week after week for the last several months, trying to figure out what they're going to do. I, I just sit here and I say, like, you know, they can go in any number of directions and I think it will be completely justifiable. Yeah, we're talking to Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons. By the way, no one has attached Jamar Chase to Atlanta. James wanted to ask that because he wants him in Cincinnati. I just, I just want. Hey, <laughs> the idea of having Baby Julio on the other side of Julio and Ridley in the slot it makes a lot of sense. I know it, right? I just, I just wanted just, to. Hey. I know, I know it, right? So, <laughs> you know, from from a fan's perspective, and I know GMs have to do what they have to do. How hard would it be for Atlanta fans? to have the fourth pick and to come away on draft day, knowing that they're not going to get any, any instant gratification. Like Terry Fontenot could absolutely do the right thing for the organization and draft a quarterback that's not going to play in, for two years, but that he won't win the press conference because it stinks for the fans and they won't see a guy on the field. How hard would they uh, accept that? And, and what do you think the sentiment would be knowing that fan base? Um, <laughs> oh man, it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I've seen some recent Twitter polls where it seems like, 
you know, how scientific can Twitter polls be? But it does seem like the majority of the fan base is pushing for Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, it's funny because if you go back to that 2008 draft when the Falcons took Matt Ryan, he was not a popular pick at the time. You know, at that time, everybody wanted Glenn Dorsey. He was perceived to be the Kyle Pitts of that draft, the best player available, a Warren Sapp-esque sort of prospect at that D-tackle position. And when the Falcons took Matt Ryan, who I guess if you were comparing him to a quarterback in this year's draft, he'd probably be compared more favorably to a player like Mac Jones and some of the other guys at the top of the draft. Fortunately for Matt Ryan, he wasn't competing with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, among others, uh, for being the top quarterback in that particular draft. But, you know, that wasn't a popular pick. But once Matt Ryan got on the field, you know, his first NFL pass was a touchdown to Michael Jenkins in week one against the Detroit Lions. And so he quickly won over the fan base once the game started being played. The difficult situation that you're outlining, Tony, is – if the Falcons go quarterback, chances are, you know, given Matt Ryan's uh, durability, he's basically missed three starts in 13 years as an NFL starter. Chances are very low that we're going to see that rookie quarterback play in year one. There's a chance that the Falcons may decide to hold on to Matt Ryan uh, going into that rookie quarterback's year two. So you're not going to get a situation where if you're disgruntled over the Falcons taking a quarterback this high in the draft, where he's going to be able to have an opportunity in the near future, like Matt Ryan did uh, 13 years ago to win over the fan base with his play on the field. So it's, it's, it's going to be a tough year, I think for Falcon fans, because you're going to have a, a very vocal sentiment of fans that are, you know, for lack of a better term, loyal to Matt Ryan and seeing this was a waste of a draft pick. We, we could have gotten a big time playmaker. And especially if you see a player like Kyle Pitts go to a team like Miami or Cincinnati and, and put up numbers as a rookie. And, you know, watching our, you know, number one draft pick just sit there and do absolutely nothing, you know, while holding the clipboard. So, you know, I think for the fans sake, it's not going to look great. Um, for them. But I think, you know, as you say, if Terry Fontenot and, and Arthur Smith believe that that's the best pick for the team and, and the thing that puts them in the best situation long-term, I think there will still be a, a group of fans that will understand that, but it would be hard to sort of just sit there and watch this team, particularly when you compare them to some of the other players that you will expect to see get selected this high. Uh, you know, that guy not really contributing much in the, in the short term. Last thing for me, Aaron, is let's say they go the Pitts route. To me, that says, hey, we want to win now. So if they take Kyle Pitts and we don't know their other draft picks or anything like that, how good can the Falcons be in this NFC South with obviously the Bucks, the favorite, but Drew Brees no longer in New Orleans and uh, a division that appears to be semi-open because there's plenty of questions about Sam Darnold. Yeah, I think in terms of the Falcons challenging Tampa Bay for – NFC South supremacy, you know, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I certainly think they will be in the mix for a wild card this year, um, kind of regardless of what they do with this draft. Um, obviously, the more they hit on these picks, the better for them. Um, but, you know, you can't really rely on rookies to really put your team over the top, although we, we get one or two teams where we talk about, you know, this rookie or this rookie uh, really helped them out in year one. I, I think the Falcons you know, given they have one of the softest schedules, I think currently based off of last year's wins and losses, I think they have the third or fourth weakest schedule 
in in the league they're facing AFC East teams and NFC East teams and those were two you know frankly garbage divisions last year um and I know those eight teams expect those teams to rebound and be better this year but I think in terms of weakest divisions that you would want to face most favorable divisions that you want to face even going into this season even assuming that some of those teams will be better you would probably pick the two east divisions so I, I think that's favorable for the Falcons where they can kind of pad some wins against some lesser opponents particularly given that they're facing a bunch of teams with rookie quarterbacks they're going to be facing Jacksonville they're going to be facing um the Jets uh you know potentially Carolina with a new quarterback. The, the Giants don't have necessarily strong quarterback. Miami's dealing with a young quarterback. Detroit's got Jared Goff. So they're not facing elite teams. So I think the goal for the Falcons is if Arthur Smith can get this offense performing at the level that I think everybody looks at them from a talent standpoint that they're capable of, and they're one of the top offenses in the league, even though their defense is probably not going to be great this year, it can be good enough to stop a Daniel Jones. It can be good enough to stop a two attack on Viloa. So I feel like the Falcons can win more games than people are expecting them to win just simply if they can, you know, win some shootouts this year. So I think the Falcons have the potential to be better than I think a lot of people assume they are just looking at their roster at face value, just because of the uh, lesser quality of competition that they may wind up facing this year. So I have higher expectations for this team to challenge for a wild card spot this upcoming season. But, you know, I'm not expecting them to, you know, make a potential deep run or anything like that uh, in the postseason because I just don't think they have the talent level as of yet uh, to really challenge those better teams in the NFC. All right. Good stuff from my man, Aaron Freeman. You can find him at locked on Falcons. Uh, what, what's your personal Twitter handle there, uh, Aaron? At Falcfans, F-A-L-C-F-A-N-S. There you go, at Falcfans. And you can find them there, too, and also wherever you get podcasts here, like where you get Locked on NFL and Locked on Jaguars and Locked on Bengals. Aaron, I appreciate you joining us, taking time out on a Wednesday. Thank you very much for joining us here on Locked on NFL, and good luck to you. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. That's Aaron Freeman from Locked on Falcons giving us the breakdown of what the Falcons' plans are for the NFL draft this year. James, man, I'm going to tell you something. We got another segment coming up here. We're going to talk about why it seems like there's no pressure on the teams that pick at the top of the second round when there seems to be so much pressure to get it right at the top of the first round. I mean, it might seem obvious, but it just seems like sometimes the Jacksonville Jaguars have had a ton of success in the top of the historically when they picked in the top of the second round, and I can go through go through it, and it seems like the pressure comes off of you and you're able to relax and make those picks. I'm going to see if the same thing holds true for you guys in Cincinnati and if you feel the same way, and we'll do it in our third and final segment here on a Wednesday edition of Locked On NFL. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. They have props on props on props for the NFL Draft Plus, over-unders for the 2021 NFL season are here. So if you want to cash in, you got to go to betonline.ag right now. Plus, you like a little NBA? Well, the NBA playoffs right around the corner. You can bet on them, NHL, Major League Baseball, all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. So go to betonline.ag right now. You can even sign up on your mobile device, which is free to sign up. 
And when you make that first deposit, use promo code locked on, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, betonline.ag, promo code locked on, and you're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, man. We're here on a Wednesday with James Rapine and Tony Wiggins talking about NFL draft, the NFL draft in our third segment here on a Wednesday. I have to remind you, speaking of the draft, April 19th through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason LaConfora, and Brian Baldinger. Love me some Baldy. Our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports podcasts music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. I've already started listening to that the first two days, and I actually kicked it off and started off, man. I didn't sound pretty bad, James. I got I to gotta admit it. didn't sound too bad. Didn't, <laughs> you know, I, did, I did all right on there, man. I you did. I it. saw it and listened to it. And, I know uh, it, you're, man. you're right. You did just fine. I know. I did all right on there. So I'm, I'm really enjoying that. They did a really, really I can't good believe job. you picked Zach Wilson. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what? You must have been drinking because I didn't. You know, I did hey, not. Go listen and make sure. To yeah, me. yeah. I will. I will. Um, so that's an easy selection for the Jaguars, but yeah, primarily there are some teams. We just talked to Freeman and you guys, and then the Dolphins and the Cowboys and the Eagles. These teams that pick anywhere between four and nine or ten or twelve they have a very, very hard job to do because they're making a commitment to a guy that uh, the pressure is on that they have to hit it. My theory is, and I don't know that you agree, is that because that there's no pressure, one of the best picks to have, like the Jaguars have the 33rd pick. To me, the 33rd pick is better than the 25th pick. And that's weird to say. I know you get, you get a pick eight choices higher. The Jaguars have the 25th pick as well. But that 33rd pick comes with no pressure. Because it's almost like you get to pick what's left. And what's left comes with no one's going to hold you as accountable if it screws up. And you can just relax and go with your gut. And you don't have to always worry about the prospect. You can just go with your gut as a football coach and as an evaluator and go with the guy that you just think is going to ball out. And sometimes it works. Miles Jack, Maurice Jones-Drew. Uh, so many other examples in Jacksonville, Tony Bracken, some of the best players that have ever played in his organization, Brad Meester, um, to name a few, that they, they were second round picks. Mm-hmm. And the first round picks were guys that Blake Bortles, Leonard Fournette, even though I like him, he wasn't as successful here. But there were other guys that, that sort of flamed out, but those second round picks, man, they nailed them. Yep. No, I, I agree with you. I think it's it, the overthinking part of things with the NFL draft and specifically with the 33rd pick and really the first six to eight picks of that second round, these teams are going to have first round grades on the players on their board. So it's real easy. It's like, Oh, I, we, we had a top 20 grade on him. I know the Bengals right. last year with T Higgins, they, they were floored that T Higgins was still there. Right. Part of that was because the Packers took a quarterback and it just kind of changed what everybody did. And so it opened things up and that's the, the, cause it's not easy. And there are certainly busts in the first eight picks of the second round, but these teams are going to trust their draft board. And 
it's much easier to, I think, in a way, get a top five pick wrong because you're looking at positions versus players and all of those different things. And then when you get into the start of that second round, it's, okay, this guy value. We have a top 15 grade on him. So then he comes in second rounder, chip on his shoulder. He thought he should be a top 15 pick and he doesn't have the pressure of being a top 15 pick. And that part of it matters as well. Right. And these are, these are the other factors too. And I'll mention this. If you're a team that runs a three, four, you can eliminate all of those weak side linebackers that you anticipate playing in a four, three. I mean, unless it's Levante David. Right. I mean, you're going to take him and just say, figure it right. out. We'll put him in the middle, like Tampa Bay <laughs> did, right? Unless he's just that good, right? So you can, you'll eliminate those guys. Then if you have a, if you're like, if you're a team with a quarterback like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or if you're a team that has a top eight quarterback that's not above 35 years old, you're going to eliminate the quarterbacks. So that's five more guys, like in this draft, you're not going to worry about. Mm-hmm. And then if you're uh, a team with Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or Mark Andrew, you ain't worried about a tight end. You see? So now what if you're one team that has all of those? Like if you're Baltimore, they got a quarterback, they got mm-hmm. a tight end, and they run a 3-4. So you're not worried about some wheel linebacker, right? So now you're in a position that your 30 players – looks different than the overall 30 that everyone else has because you've eliminated like 16 of them. Yep. So your top 30 is, is totally different than the other top 30. So that's why a team like that can move out of the first round and land at 38 and still end up with a guy that's in their top 20. Yep. But you're absolutely right. And, and that's, that's the beauty of not having to draft for need. And most teams never have that luxury. Very rarely, even even Super Bowl caliber teams usually have a glaring need. And that's what when Tampa Bay brought back all their starters, it was like, oh, my gosh, how were they able to pull that off? Because you look at them, they don't have any glaring needs. And so at 32, guess what they can do? Maybe trade back like we're talking about or just take the best player on their board, which is really, really simple. You can be comfortable in that spot. And that's again, a luxury. Most of these teams, both of the teams we cover do not have. And uh, when you get there, it's hard to maintain, but if you can maintain it for a few years, that's when you see that championship window just explode. And for Baltimore, they do have some needs, right? Edge rusher. That doesn't mean they're going to address it at 27. No, They, they may take a wide receiver at 27, a fancy toy for Lamar Jackson, or, like I said, edge, or maybe uh, Christian Barmore falls from Alabama. And they're like, man, we can sit him for a year. He'll get some snaps. And then next year, he's the next dominant interior lineman lining up for the Ravens. And that's that's what they do. You're right. No doubt about it. And you know what else Baltimore might do? Let one of those corners fall. They'll take him and just yeah. have three. And, and they'll say, you know what? That's the strength of our team. We're going to make it even stronger because we have to beat we have to beat Kansas City. So we'll just make that area even stronger. You let one of those guys fall in it. Or what if they look at Asante Samuel Jr. and they'll go, nope, we're going to move down a little bit, and that's who we're going to get. We're going to get the best nickel in this draft to go along with our other two guys. And uh, a lot of the mistakes that are made by people that, 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 that do this on Twitter and stuff, folks think the draft ends after the first round, and they don't yeah. realize you're going to get players in round two and round three, man, and they're going to come in – and they're going to compete and they're going to help fill your team out. And you can address need then. I think when you're in the first round, 
you got to get a war daddy. You just got to get a guy that you believe is going to be around for 10 years and he's going to play. Because even if it's at a position where you already have somebody else, nine times out of 10, that dude at some point is going to get hurt or he's going to retire. And the teams that win are the teams I believe that have the best players, not the teams that fill all their squares in all the time. You know, this sure. isn't this is a connect four here. You know what I'm saying? This isn't bingo or or, or, or Pocino that like the team, you whoever fills their numbers in on, on the card wins first. It's the guys, it's whoever has the best guys usually wins the game. How can you make your team and give your team as many high-end, not just good areas, but star areas as possible? Right. Right. Tampa Bay got Tom Brady. And it wasn't because they took they were going to take an offensive lineman in the first round. It wasn't because that they had this rock wall in front of them. It's because they had weapons on weapons on weapons. And they were willing to add more weapons on weapons. And Brady's like, well, damn, we have all these weapons and a defense that's young and hungry and can move around and fly around. Pretty easy. Pretty easy way. And I know I'm just leaning in on Tampa Bay, but they're the champs. So look at them. And, and that's – you're right. How do you make a specific area of your team special? And I think that's what where people – fall off like the Falcons, for example, if they take Kyle Pitts, who you talk about a special arsenal of weapons and they can address running back later in the draft. And suddenly there aren't many holes. And when you go to that Mercedes Benz stadium in Atlanta, it is going to be a tough place to play. And it's going to be a track meet And Matt Ryan, even in his mid thirties is going to be able to chuck it all over. For instance, if they add Kyle, if they get Kyle Pitts and then come back and they take Najee Harris, is anybody going to complain? Yeah, you know who's going to complain? New Orleans, Carolina, and Tampa's going to complain. That's who's yes. going to complain. Oh, my God. If that's Najee a problem. Harris falls there, oh That's a physical God. problem. That is a physical problem for people to deal with. I'm, I'm just saying every right. single week, that is a physical issue for people to deal with. Nobody wants to deal play. with that. No, you don't want to deal with that foolishness every week. You come out there and these dudes walk out of – they come out. They come out of there looking like the Avengers every damn week, and you got to deal with it all because everyone else let them get those people. You don't want to do falls, that. If Harris falls that far, by the way, whew, what a steal! Yeah, I think I think he's going to come in right away and just no, he's going to play right. He's, he's Steven Jackson part two. That's who I think he is. And then you put Pitts and a healthy Julio and Ridley. That'd be ridiculous. But see, that's how I look at it. I always look at guys and how they look when they're lined up against or with other guys. Mm-hmm. So that Devin White and Levante David are good, but they're real good when they're together. You know what I'm saying? It just yep. makes it all make sense. Yo, I think we're pretty good together too, but we got to go, man. We can't just sit here and talk all day. Uh, you know, that's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast, uh, Locked On NFL on a Wednesday. James and Tony, we, we we bring this stuff to you, and, and it's fun. We got one more show next week before the draft, and uh, we're going to bring it. We're going to bring that heat next week, man. Y'all make sure you tune in to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. You can find that wherever you get your podcast, especially on the Odyssey app. And also tune in here for Locked On NFL every single day. For James Rapine and Tony Wiggins, and we thank our guest, Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons. We'll uh, see you guys same time, same place next week here on Locked On NFL. Take care.